You know what really makes us mad is wasting money on CDs with only one or two good songs. Yeah. Talk about punk. Hello everyone and welcome to Punk Water Pod, the game where no one wins. I'm your co-host Justin Hensley. I am your other co-host Dylan Hensley. And this is the show where using a number generator and the Rate Your Music Punk Charts, we pick one EP and one album at random to discuss. You like what I did? I switched EP and album on that one. Mm-hmm. I said it in a different order. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. I'm hot. I'm Why fired up. I'm fired up. So, if you've been following me on Twitter, either using the Punk Lotto Pod Twitter or my personal, um, you'll know that I've I've made it my mission to uh, remove Nazis from Instagram. <laughs> uh, and there is a record label based out of Greensboro, North Carolina, of course, right? Uh, called Beast Productions, and um, it's actually two S's in the name, as in SS. And their logo has the SS symbol in it. So... It's a white power label. It's a white power record label. They are actually recognized by the Southern Poverty Law Center as hate music. Which uh, I think typically mainly refers to white power music. Because I don't know what what else would even really be called hate music. I mean... Uh, Yeah, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of KKK bands. Right, right. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Leonard Skinner. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, would you consider Ted Nugent hate music then? <laughs> Toby Keith? Uh, <laughs> you know. So, Some of it, yes. <laughs> it usually it usually refers to white power bands, specifically. Um, there are some KKK bands, but they're mostly uh, Nazi bands, for the most part. Yeah. And so, I have reported this record label multiple, multiple, multiple times on Instagram, as well as uh, our friend Grant from Bitter Melody. And he's also been reporting the same label for violating the community standards of Instagram, which include hate speech and racist, you know, symbols. And so they're a a record label that they've released screwdriver records. So I don't know if they just release them, but they sell them on CD. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I burned some screwdriver records on (laughs) CDs. (laughs) Yeah. White Power labels uh, i think still deal very heavily with uh cds because i think a lot of record plants will even like turn stuff down if they find anything offensive yeah so they have posts on there with totem comps on them which are the little nazi skull crossbones thing the are we the baddies uh mm-hmm. <laughs> skulls <laughs> Uh, they've got posts with 88 in it all over the place, which stands for HH, which stands for Heil Hitler. Yeah. Uh, uh, which no, is like an alphanumeric it's the number of keys on the keyboard. Yeah, sure. And also the number 14, which refers to a 14-word mission statement by a KKK leader. 
Um, so anytime you see 88 or 14 or there's even a, there's a year, right? Like that. There's like a 1770 something. I don't know that one. The there's the RAC. Yeah, Rock Against Communism, which is another white power movement from the UK, which was in direct opposition to Rock Against Racism. They use those hashtags. <laughs> I've noticed so PayPal does not allow them to operate on their site because they have like a use discount code PayPal sucks. Mm-hmm. And then like if you look at what they use to actually, you know, purchase, it's like uh, email us your order and I'll send you an invoice. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so PayPal won't let them use them. Yeah. That's, you know. So Instagram keeps denying it even though it's clearly a white power label. Like I said, Southern Poverty Law Center recognizes them. So I want everyone who listens to this to please go to Instagram and find Beast Productions, remember, two S's, and report them. Because there's no reason they should be allowed to operate on Instagram. And while you're at it, go through all of the accounts that follow them and report them, too. <laughs> even if they're private. Our, yeah. I know Grant has gotten some private accounts taken down. Yeah. If they're private, they're, like, even more obviously. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, you know to hide it. There's a bunch of other ones in there, too. Like, anyone who uses a lot of Nordic runes in their name who follows that label, it's like, yeah, they're a lot of Nordic... Uh, yeah. Yeah, probably Nazis too. A lot of probably Nazis. So I report. I went through and was reporting a bunch today, and so far none of them. Only got I got a picture taken down, which had a swastika. A, ta- a guy with a tattoo of a swastika. I got that one removed today, but they didn't take the guy's account down, even though it had the eighty-eight. And I kind of get why they didn't take the rest of it down because all the other pictures were just of him and his girlfriend. So it wasn't <laughs> even like he's he's kind of a smart Nazi in the sense that he knows he can't post too much racist shit <laughs> yeah well that keeps it buried so you know yeah yeah squash them make them afraid don't give them a platform yeah, yeah. they need to be deplatforming. all this the thing- youtube instagram free speech bullshit is is why we have racism on the rise and white power groups on the rise hate crimes on the rise trump is our president right well, like they just they can say what they want. It's the internet. It's got to be free. Bullshit. Well, because all these websites are privately owned. So if the companies are saying, no, we don't want it on our platform, then you can take them off. You're not limiting someone's free speech. And also that actually refers to the government, not you know corporations or other people. So the government can't tell you what to say. The rest, it's like, you're Absolutely. not immune. You're not immune from um, repercussions for things you say. So... I don't know. I think that if the things you say can uh, hurt people, the, the government does do something about that. If it's true, if you say something, I mean, if you swear at someone and they hit you and you get into a fight, like you can be charged with provoking violence. I yeah, mean, I mean, if yeah, if you say something that can provoke violence, like or if you incite a riot, it's like, well, I had the free speech to say it, but you aren't. Yeah, it's right. Well, anyway, that's yeah. our little our little rant. <laughs> I don't. Know, that's what I spent most of the day doing today. <laughs> While making notes, I was reporting accounts. So, yeah, I want to get them taken down. It's my mission. Uh, well, anything else before we get into the show? Not really. Nothing. Uh, nothing really new on my side. So, yeah, I haven't really done much. Um, I think 
We've only had a couple days between recordings, too, so that may be a factor, too. Yeah, well, let's just dive right into it, then, I guess, because there's some weirdness going on here. So, (laughs) for this episode, we got the year 2010, 2010, however you prefer to say it. And so, we'll take a look at the Rate Your Music charts for that year, as rated by members in the United States. And I have to say, number one, who the fuck is that? Yeah, I don't know this band. The Brave Little Abacus? They're a Midwest emo band? Uh, okay. How are they number one? Who are they? <sighs> That's the weirdness of Freighter Music. <laughs> well, okay. They have had music released by quote-unquote records. Um, oh. And at least one of the members is in the band Me in Capri's, which... Yeah, whatever that is. That name is a little more recognizable to me, but I still don't know anything about them. So I don't know why this is rated so highly. This is not something that I remember anyone who was into emo talking about in 2010. Yeah. Um, considering what else is on this list that falls under the Midwest emo tag. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Something Something's off here. This is just some nerds nerd band, I guess. And <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Okay, moving on. Um, number two is LCD Sound System. This is happening. Whatever. It's fine. I don't like LCD Sound System, and I don't think they're a punk band, so they shouldn't be on this list. <sighs> Dance punk. I don't... It's it's not a, it's not a punk genre. It's, no, an, electronic it's an electronic genre. genre. <laughs> well, there's two LCD Sound System records on here. Yeah. This was the year they came back, right? Or something like that? I don't know. They, he, them, it, band group single musician <laughs> Adam and his package except with like coke <laughs> yeah <laughs> Interpol crossed with Adam and his package I guess. <laughs> number uh, three number th- is nails on silent death this is a representative that one I, yeah I get that people were into that album in 2010 people are still into that band even though didn't that Todd Jones dude kind of shitty yeah he seems kind of not great I don't know if he I think he's just a dick. I don't know that he's yeah. actually like done anything to actually be canceled, but he just seems like an asshole. Hey, number four is actually was a big deal in 2010. It's Titus Andronicus, The Monitor. <sighs> yeah, people cared, though. Yeah, I did. Civil War, Civil War concept album. It's not punk, though. Why is it on here? Folk punk? It's not folk punk. Yeah, I don't know. If you listen to folk punk and you listen to that band... They don't sound anything alike. (laughs) What's this other weird shit? What's number five here? Women? Public strain? Who's this? I don't know. I don't know. They put out... What is wrong with... Nothing after that, so it's not even like a retroactive... Oh, here we go. No, there's retroactive. Members of Preoccupations. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) O'Reilly's? It's... So this is a retroactive rating based on other members' later work. Okay, whatever. The further Valor down talk. we get, we start seeing more stuff that makes sense. Valor talk. We, yeah. It's trendy now. Uh, it was kind of popular then. I remember that being a thing. The Chariot Long Live. Mm. I'm surprised that's still so highly rated. I feel like maybe in 2010 that was a big deal, but not so much anymore. Okay, number nine. That's actually a very significant record and very representative of 2010. It is snowing. I could do whatever I wanted if I wanted the only full length from snowing. They were hyped. They they were. I remember 
being like really excited about that that yeah it's one of the last records i remember coming out where i was that excited i, I mean i pre-ordered it like before it came <laughs> out like i've definitely yeah. pre-ordered stuff and been pretty excited but like it was palpable <laughs> like mm-hmm. like everyone was excited about that album and it came out and everyone was like it's good yeah <laughs> i mean i think it's still a great album but I don't think the ex. I think the expectations were way higher than what people actually got from that album. It was great. It's a great album. It's probably one of my favorite that year too. But it was just. It's just funny how now no one really gives a shit about Snowy. <laughs> was Was twenty ten the year of like really hyped letdowns? Because I see um, Ronard Park by Ceremony, and I know I love that album. I know people were like really excited about it, but were like it's good. I love that album because that's the one where they transition their sound. It's also the last ceremony album I like. Yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. That one makes sense. But I do remember people were like, "What the fuck?" Because yeah. it wasn't fastcore anymore. Yeah, <laughs> they were like this weird sort of Minutemen sort of knockoff with like harsh hardcore vocals. Um, because all right, let's keep going through. Well, I just wanted because it's it's further back. This is also the year of. The second Tiger's Jaw album. Oh, and that's what that's made me think down. of a big, a big, really hyped letdown. You know, I can see that because this is also the year of Off's first four EPs, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, "All right, it's a modern day Black Flag album," and only Music Press liked it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess it is maybe a big letdown. I mean, I don't know about everything. That second Black Breath album was kind of a let. Yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of stuff that was just not uh it was like the way it was received i don't know didn't match the expectation for it mm-hmm. there's a couple of things on this front page though that are worth pointing out uh number 23 is the messengers chamberlain waits that's a big album that was big then people still like that one the most out of or one is one of those albums i personally never a big messengers fan but that would be the one menzingers album that i would probably go listen to now if i was like all right i should give the menzingers a chance but i don't know if that's gonna are happen. we are we supposed to do a hard g or soft g in that name <laughs> menzingers or menzingers i don't know menzingers 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 the manzingers <laughs> uh we're gonna get notes on that one um um Number 24, Danger's Messy, Isn't It? That's their best album, for sure. Um, Joie de vivre. Vivre. (laughs) I can't speak French. Joie de vivre. Joie de vivre. Uh, The Secret, that was a big deal. That Latin title. Solid coagula. It doesn't matter. It's a dead language. You can pronounce it however the (laughs) fuck you want. Fuck you, (laughs) the Pope. (laughs) You don't Uh, really know how it's pronounced. Here's the real best album of 2010 iron sheik's not like this best album of the decade one of them best punk album of the decade yeah i mean the decade's not over i guess but um yeah that album that album means a shitload to me and uh and it's flawless um second page i don't know that we need to go too deep on oh, I did, but i do want to point out the stuff that i know at least we were listening to uh, I did want to point out the Wonder Years Upsides came out that year, too. Oh, yeah. uh, that was a huge, huge album for 2010. And, okay, moving on. Uh, There's a... Yeah, what... You Will Not Survive by Saddest Landscape. Uh, the Echo and the Light by Castavet. 
uh, let's see, In Desolation by Off With Their Heads. That was a big deal for me then, and now it's probably my least favorite Off With Their Heads yeah. record. But I only like the first two. <laughs> yeah. Um, Home had some moments. Oh, shit. There's the Reviver self-titled. Reviver self-titled. Um, there's that Make Do and Mend, End Measured Mile. I know I listened to it then. Uh, Grown Ups, more songs. Some more emo. Oh, yeah. That was a huge album. Third page, I see We Were Skeletons. There's self-titled album. There's that uh, Expect the Worst by Dopamines. Yeah, that's a big one. Veil of Maya. <laughs> uh, you Are Beneath Me by, by End of a Year. The last, yeah. last end of a year full length before changing their name to Self-Defense, Self-Defense Family Mother. and getting real boring. And writing the same song. That Loma Prieta, Lifeless album. Oh, shit. Leatherface, Stormy Petrol. That's a great record. Trash Talk, they were a big deal in 2010. Eyes and Nines. Oh, mixtapes, maps. That was a huge album for 2010. Yeah, it starts to get a little more sparse the further back you go. So, shook ones. Yeah, unquotable AMH bars of gold. Man overboard album. was a man overboard. Real talk, that was a big one. That one probably just didn't age too well. There's an integrity album. Mm. I love that bars of gold record. Yeah, it's yeah. The further back you go, it just turns into more personal. You know. Yeah, 1994, Fuck Your Head. You know, that's an album I loved then. Yeah. Would have been really high on my list. Coliseum, House with a Curse. Fuck yeah, Deception of a Ghost. (laughs) My Chemical (laughs) Romance, Danger Days, The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys. Danger Dick, the last My Chemical Romance album that nobody liked. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I had a friend who got into them on that album. What? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) That's a weird one. Personal and the pizzas. Any of them. <laughs> There's a Sprainer record. Yeah. I'm surprised that's not higher. Well, that is very considering low. Considering how big a, a deal that is. That band is that cut and paste? There's the worst Alkaline Trio record. Which one? This Addiction. This Addiction? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. I could. I, yeah. I could go through this list forever. Well, <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess I, that's why I want to say we should move on. Because I, I know this is like... Yeah, just ad nauseum naming peak. bands is not... <laughs> well, and this is like peak years for for me at least. Yeah. And like listening to everything. So... Yeah. Like I have an opinion on most everything on this list. <laughs> yeah. So... You ready to dive into our album? Yeah. All right, we got number 402, and God, that's really low. I did not know that. Uh, On the album's charts, and it is Big Kids and their album Hoop Dreams.
Uh, big kids were from Oakland, California, and consisted of Jason Romero and Chris Brum on guitars, Alex Hernandez on drums, John On and Jacob Harris on bass, uh, depending on which coast they were on. <laughs> right. John was the West Coast bass player. Bass player, right? He because I were yes, he played in the band Ed Hachuli. Yeah, or still does maybe. I think they're still an active band, sort of. Somewhere, he, I think. Yeah, semi-active, but they're like a Philadelphia band, and I think they always said that Jacob would play bass when John was on the East Coast. Right, John was the East. So like, I think John just flew back and forth between coasts. Um, this is these are the five 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 guys. Five guys, five guys, burgers and fries, who played in Big Kids over the 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 time they were together. the The album co- doesn't actually list who plays on the album. The photo is just the three of them, which I'm assuming is Jason, Alex, and maybe Jacob. I'm not entirely sure because I know what John looks like. And they only... Jason, if you're looking at the album cover, Jason is the guy on the right. He yeah. is the the shorter one with the beard. Yeah, he's the main singer, mm-hmm. though they do split vocal duties. I'm not sure. That photo may not even be fully representative of the whole band at this time. So I, I had a very difficult time trying to find out who exactly is on this record. And I've never actually found anything. They list all those other guys' names on all the EPs and the and the follow up albums. So I just went ahead and named everybody. So I didn't want to leave anybody out. This was released uh, June 29th, twenty ten, and was a split release between Top Shelf Records and Protagonist Music. I think that's how they called classified themselves. And uh, this was a big year for Top Shelf because that same year they put out that Grown Ups record, uh, the cast of it into it over it split. Uh, My Heart to Joy, Season and Verse, and that We Were Skeletons record. So, like, Top Sh- Top Shelf was, a like, a real big deal in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I remember getting into a lot of bands on Top Shelf records around this time. So. <laughs> yeah, there were, like, five labels I was really into at this time. It was, like, Top Shelf, No Sleep, Run for Cover, Count Your Lucky Stars, who we'll talk about later, and and Protagonist had a lot of good stuff, too, because they put out that said non Satia, is that how you say that? And um, Black Kites, but they'd even done some of those Teenage Cool Kids records, mm-hmm. so they are a cool label. Full disclosure, this is one of my all-time favorite records. Yeah, <laughs> I think we could say up front that we're both five-star men uh, oh, on yeah, this album. Oh, yeah, 100%. So this is going to yeah. be a, a lot of gushing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I don't know a ton of people who listen to big kids other than us, though they did uh, do three pressings of the record, so that's pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah, that is weird. I mean, they could have been very small pressings, but, you know. Two of them were like 250 each. I think the first was 300. I, I looked at it, um, but yeah, they did three pressings, and the sec- and the third pressing is still available from the label. Which kind of makes sense, just because they had a very small window where they were very active. I feel like there's maybe a three-year period, uh, at least on a national scale. Um, yeah, I mean, they didn't start their Facebook page until 2009. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this album was 2010, so. and Phone Home was 2011. And Phone Home is their last record. Yeah. Because they did the they did the Don't Be a Baby EP. They have a song on the Lauren Records comp. 
and they have a split with Koala Cost and a split with Joyce Manor of all bands. Yeah, I think I have all of the EPs and splits. Yes, I should yes, have, I all have all of them too. Their records, yeah, yeah, I have everything they've done. Um, okay, musically, what are they? So I was thinking about this. Um, it's kind of like Iron Sheik. Kind of, yeah. And for some reason, I never really classified them in the same vein because I guess I always thought of Iron Sheik as being a Long Island, you know, Ladderman style punk band. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I never really just never never really connected big kids to that sound just because they're I mean, they're a Bay Area band. So, yeah, I guess mentally I've yeah. always associated them as being, you know, in the lineage Bay Area band. in the lineage of Bay Area bands. So like a jawbreaker, you know. Yeah, I mean, they were, like, they did the split with Joyce Manor, and they put stuff out on Lauren Records, which put out Summer Vacation slash Winter Break albums. So, like, they always, like, fit firmly in that little scene for me, because I I really, I was really into that, that Bay Area sound during, like, the earlier part of the 2010s, and sometimes, like, while everyone else was talking about the Philly sound that was going on, I was always a little more partial to the Bay Area sound, but if you think of them in the sense of comparing them to, say, Sprainerd, who were doing the same thing at the time, yeah. the similarities kind of pop out a little more. But at the same time, I've always thought of them as like a poppier version of Bear versus Shark and a little bit of Small Brown Bike. Yeah, like a little less crazy mm-hmm. and a little more fun than Small Brown Bike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's accurate. And I and I was I always thought that I was weird for thinking that. And then doing research for this, I saw quite a few press bios essentially, and they compared them to Bear vs. Shark and Small Brown Bike. And I was like, oh, okay, I wasn't making that up. That was something I actually did see. I just kind of internalized it. So it feels like they were doing the Ladderman influence sound right before it broke, because yeah, Iron Sheik and Reviver had put out albums that their albums in 2010. And Sprainer put out their first EP, but people didn't really love Sprainer until the following album. Yeah. Well, and... And then it, the long deluge of Iron Sheik clones that came out. And, I mean, Iron Sheik and Reviver were such new bands and mm-hmm. were so directly connected to Letterman that I guess maybe they kind of took all the air out of the room. Yeah. I mean, anyone doing something similar just would have fallen by the wayside. Yeah, I never really. They, I, for, I don't know why I never thought of them that way. But then I was listening to it, like I said, and it just clicked. I was like, "Wow, why? Mm-hmm. Why was that never a big comparison? And why yeah. did they not get bigger if that sound was really catching on at this point?" Yeah, the only thing I could think of is that they jumped the gun because I don't know what month did that Iron Sheik record come out. Do you think? Um... I think Radio Music has that listed. I could look them up, but... I mean, so... Big Kids September, on their next... September 3rd. That's September 3rd is when the Iron Sheik record came out. Yeah. So, maybe they just were just slightly, like, jumped the trend. Yeah. And no one really realized it. And again, they did kind of go in the... They yeah, I was going to say the, the sort next of, album did something a little different. and Yeah. And they were a little m- more... They weren't like noodly emo, but they did have some more intricate guitar parts than a lot of the Long Island sound 
Yeah. Um, so you were going to say something before I no, interrupted no, with the date. I was just going to say the next album, they kind of changed their sound a little bit. So True. They got a little more garagey, I guess. Yeah. A little fuzzier. Which, again, seems like that was on trend, but yeah. maybe it was a yeah. little bit before that trend, too. Because <laughs> Philly, That's... I don't think Philly had shifted to that kind of garagey, stonery, emo, mm-hmm. punk. Yeah. Un- yeah, I don't until think a little bit after quite this. blown up yet. So yeah, maybe they were just uh, originators, not appreciated yeah. in their time, and people <laughs> will someday look back and say, "Wow, they were doing this before, before everybody." On <laughs> yeah, two, I don't two different punk trends. <laughs> it's so weird because if you think about like the way people look at music in the past, like okay, what do we think of when we look at? 30 year old music yeah how do we think of it it was like well yeah there's the classics and then there's all these hidden gems is that how we refer to like the good stuff were they hidden gems then probably not they were probably well regarded back then it's just interesting to see what like sifts to the top over time well yeah i mean artist longevity has a lot to do with it um Mm -hmm. so you know who's big then and then continues to be popular um yeah, if there's a story, that tends to be a factor. And we've seen we've seen this in in rate your music charts where there's the retroactive bump for artists who have either members went on to other bands or put out you know critically acclaimed albums later on. Their previous records mm. get kind of held up in higher regard than they were when they were initially released. So, and Jason went on to play in the band Acid Fast, who. I th- feel like got a little bit more press there was a push than big kids got uh i think there was maybe a label push and a a pr push but it didn't catch on yeah unfortunately because they put out two really good albums Um, yeah Dreams is eight tracks, nine if you count the hidden track, um, <laughs> which is uh, <laughs> the band singing along to the theme song to Family Matters. <laughs> uh, it's eight tracks, and like one of those tracks is a short little instrumental with like a 
party recording yeah. going on <laughs> in the background. And to me, that little party recording with the music playing in the background, it I feel like that's like an encapsulation of this album. You know, it, without <laughs> without vocals, oddly. I don't know. It's some sweet jams with some buds is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it's the it's f- the pizza high five. Yeah. Basement show. The vibe it definitely feels like the vibe of a basement show with a bunch of people you actually like. Yeah. And I, Big Kids are a band that's kind of permanently etched into my mind as like the image of a DIY punk band. Like yeah. if someone was like, yeah. What's DIY punk? I'd be like, Uh, like big kids <laughs> <laughs> And it it's not even 100% true because they did have some label releases. I mean, I guess there's still DIY element to that, too. But yeah, they were DIY labels <laughs> for the most true, part. True. Yeah. It's it's just, to me, it's a summertime album. It's a good time album. There are three songs on this album that are permanently, like, you know, seared into my mind. Probably it's either, like, if uh, Parents Are Still a Handful or Slam Duncan in the Living Room. Those are like the two songs that are just like I think of big kids and that guitar line starts playing. Yeah, God, they were. <laughs> it's us gushing, of course, but I just love everything about this record. It's short; it, it flies by, but it's not too short where you're like, "Ugh, what was that?" Where you don't, you know, you don't feel like it was useless to put it on. Yeah, you know, considering that there's only seven real songs on this, mm-hmm. it it's almost really an EP. Yeah, but it is. It, I mean, it has the the playing time overall of an of a full length, and it feels substantial, even though mm-hmm. it's kind of short. Yeah, yeah. I so it's one of those things that you're not supposed to do as a music critic or whatever, where you you shouldn't say like you shouldn't talk about a band as being like criminally underrated or or like. Because in a perfect world, you know, only the the best bands would be well recognized, and I don't know. Mm. But this band is so criminally underrated. <laughs> <laughs> they really and are. It bombed me out that they didn't catch on, and that people didn't listen to them, and bands from this time period, or that we some have we've maybe mentioned in the. Uh, as we were going through the charts, but I know we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get to our EP. We will. That very undeservedly uh, are what Still people get talked uh, about. Are what people remember from this time period. Yeah, yeah, it, it's frustrating, and I think what held them back was not being the exact right sound that everyone was into at the exact moment, and then they were in this very crowded scene of. I feel like there was, like, a new album every month that everyone was talking about who was into, like, more emo and punk-influenced stuff. Anything, like, sort of indie. Indie punk or DIY punk or whatever. And they just... I don't know what it is. They just didn't... They didn't hook. And I... Which is amazing because they're so catchy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these, yeah, these songs are There's something hooks. That, there was something that I was thinking about I, also, when I was listening to this album yesterday, like on this album in particular, 
they do something that I always want bands to do. Like they do so many things that I'm always wanting from punk bands that a lot of bands don't quite deliver. I think maybe like the most recent thing that comes to mind that maybe not totally sonically, but philosophically (laughs) or aesthetically pup kind of does this where they're really loud Mm -hmm. and really catchy Mm -hmm. but noisy and a little bit experimental without completely going off the deep end without derailing the flow of an album which i can see that that that's where the bear versus shark thing kind of lies too yeah because i would also compare pup in little ways to bear versus shark yeah like they're like the the rambunctious (laughs) little brothers of (laughs) <laughs> of bear versus shark maybe with a little bit of a little bit of beastie boys in there yeah uh, <laughs> yeah there's the, there's an it's just a feeling when i listen to this record that i i don't know i can't it just feels like a good time i don't know how else <laughs> to describe it uh there was there was a review that i actually sent you uh yesterday that i found on sputnik music let's see if i can find it real quick and there was a paragraph at the very end that I was like, that's it. That's it exactly. So this is on Sputnik Music, and it's from the user I Fight for Your Demons, I think is what that says. There's all the vowels taken out. <laughs> so this is the last paragraph of it. It says, sure, big kids don't exactly provide their listeners with the most musically and lyrically ingenious work of the, of the decade, but who's really asking them to? Whenever these three punks decide to head back home to sunny California, they'll do so with enough new memories, friends, and smiles to last a lifetime. A fact that should inspire the rest of us that much more to make the most of out of the years we've got. So if you're strapped or for reasons to party, feeling a bit too old, or just aren't all that stoked on life, give Hoop Dreams a spin. What what have you got to lose aside from the best years of your life? (laughs) Um, There's some words missing in that review, oddly. I don't know, and it was just like, who said they had to make the best album ever? You know, <laughs> they had fun and they made memories and I have memories directly tied to this record and yeah. this band.
Well, so that review reminded me to they were in this may have contributed to their ultimate uh, disintegration. Um, they were a touring band. Yeah. They seemed to tour pretty aggressively and we actually booked them. Yeah, I was going to say, I've seen Big Kids twice. The first time was at Fest. Uh, they had a solid turnout in the middle of the day. Uh, is that that old bike shop they used to use as a venue <laughs> that they don't use anymore? But yeah, the second time I saw them was when we booked them to play our local coffee shop. I still feel bad about that show. Well, so that show probably shouldn't have happened. It almost didn't happen. Because no. I... So the way it all worked out... They had posted some tour dates. They had some blank spots in there, some, like, TBA spots. Um, Mm -hmm. And in between maybe, like, Virginia and Tennessee or something, they had an open date. So I was like, hey, we should book them. So I reached out to them. Didn't hear back forever. And then for some reason, the maybe, like, I commented on a post of theirs and said something like, hey, I messaged you. And he was like, hey, we messaged you back. So I had to look in like that secret folder, you know, the Facebook oh, messenger that. folder where it like puts stuff from people that you're not friends with. That won't notify you when you get a message there. Yeah. yeah. The other messages folder or something like yeah. that. So that they had responded. So I had a message from, from Jason, I believe. So it just kind of came together really last minute that we book, ended up booking them. <sighs> yeah. And that may factor into when the show happened so i want to say you got confirmation on like it was like the week of fest the week like the week before you got confirmation that it was happening i had to wait and get confirmation from the coffee shop we were using to do shows to get that approved and then make some flyers and like run them over there those flyers were pretty much up over the weekend while i was in florida at the fest (laughs) And then the show was like a Tuesday night. We had no <laughs> other local. We had no local support. Because we thought Acid Fast was going to be on the show. And we like, that'll be enough. Even though I, re- I, I regret not finding a, a local to help bring in some. Well, the thing is, I think we tried to reach out to some of our friends, but it was just so short notice. And like I said, it was like the Tuesday after Fest. Right. And they toured up and down the East Coast coast that like month of fest and the react the understanding was is they didn't have they didn't have a great time yeah i think a lot of those shows were very poorly attended because it was east coast week of fest yeah and those not familiar so east coast week of fest a lot of bands from up north tend to travel down to florida to play fest but instead of just going directly to Fest to play, a lot of them are looking for shows along the way. So that a lot of times during like the two weeks leading up to Fest, you're going to get a bunch of bands coming through, very stacked bills in these real DIY venues. It's usually like I don't know it it it's it actually gets to be too much. It is a lot, uh, and it's a lot of bands. You're like I know I'm just gonna see them at Fest. So. Yeah, why do I need to go see them play here when I'm going to see them in three days at Fest? I need to save some money for Fest. Right. I, you know. So people get uh, people get showed out. People can't afford to go to every single one of these shows. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't know if big kids were see they had played Fest the year before, and I don't know if when they planned this one that tour, if they thought that they were going to be playing Fest again, but they didn't. Yeah. So I was wondering if they, because it was all about getting invites, and the second album didn't come out on Top Shelf. It was protagonist only. And the way Fest works, it's all invite. So I'm wondering if they thought they were going to get an invite to play, and they didn't because protagonists didn't have the pull to get an invite. So then they had this tour booked, and they're like, well, it'll still be fine because we're going to be, you know, all these shows up and down the coast. And then when the turnouts weren't great, for most other bands, it's fine because they're going to get to Fest and then sell a bunch of stuff at Fest, maybe, depending. Or at the least, you know, they have a good time at Fest and get paid, you know. Yeah. Because everyone who plays Fest gets paid. Yeah. Even if it's not a ton of money, it's just a little bit. So, by the time they got to us... (laughs) Acid Fest was not on the tour. It was just them. They show up and we're like, oh, Acid Fest isn't with you guys. Yeah. And we're like, shit. So, So we like... You, what, called our friend... uh, joey yeah our friend joey and we're like dude bring your guitar because he was coming to the show and like please bring your guitar and play some songs and so we have this sad acoustic (laughs) guitar uh opener the it's funny when the band pulled up we were like hey so is asses fast with you and they're like no they went home because like jason was in that band but the rest of the band went home and we're like, cool, 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 cool. So <laughs> you run and make a phone call. Um, and then one of them goes, uh, is there anywhere I can find something to eat? And I was like, there's like this fast food place over here. He's like, it's like a grocery store around. I was like, yeah, there's a Lowe's like across the street. And he just looked at me because I think he thought I meant Lowe's hardware, which there was a Lowe's hardware across the street. But across the street from that is a Lowe's grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> so I was like, no, there's a grocery store. So he walked off and I was and they were gone for a long time. Yeah. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> Did we just lose one of the members <laughs> of the band? And so the, the turnout sucked. Yeah. We didn't have time to promote it like we wanted to. It was a Tuesday. It was the week after Fest. Like, there were so many factors against us. Yeah. So they uh, they, played, they played. And they were so fucking good. Yeah. They, like, Man. they could have phoned it in but they didn't they played their set the way they would have always played it and they were incredible Mm -hmm. and do you remember in the middle of the set those two dorks just some drunk rednecks came in to get coffee no they weren't rednecks they were just nerds (laughs) they came in to get coffee because it was a coffee shop and of course why would they expect a band to be playing there (laughs) uh Uh, that's the uh the old hickory music scene is just like oh yeah there's a there's a show at this coffee shop show, like shows where there shouldn't be shows yeah. it was a, a thing in hickory for a while they came in and they were like kind of weirdly rocking out and then they like pointed out that the drummer looked just like jack sparrow do you remember this <laughs> uh no and I then don't. everybody kind of laughed about it and like what are you talking about and then they like stayed in there for a little bit, and then like after a song, the drummer said something, and then one of the guys like <laughs> Jack Sparrow would totally say that, <laughs> and then they just like left yeah. in the middle because they weren't there for a show; they were just there for coffee. And Grant like chased them down and tried to convince them to come back in and finish the set because it was like already halfway over. Yeah, they didn't come back in. 
So, it, uh, so we bought all the records they had, like yeah. all. Yeah. Like we all bought a copy like f- of everything we didn't already have. Yeah, which I luckily didn't have the EPs and the new L- LP. So, like, they made. To be honest, they probably made more in merch on that show than they may have done over the whole weekend of Fest, but... So, they uh, needed a place to stay, obviously. Um, And I couldn't let them stay because... Where was I living at the time? Was I... You were probably in the house with roommates who were like, would have made them sleep in the garage. Yeah, that's what it Um, was. No one else in town really had space. Or at least weren't volunteering to let them stay. So I was like... Yeah, I mean, they all had... The other guys had, like, one-bedroom apartments. So (laughs) So I was like, well, you can follow me up the mountain an an hour hour away and sleep in my... In the lobby of my dorm. So they did. (laughs) Uh, uh, I sat in the lobby with them for a little while after the show. And I remember we talked for a little bit. And um, one of the dudes in the band, I don't remember who it was sat and read the student um, newspaper, like, the <laughs> whole thing. What? And I don't remember if he was, like, halfway through it or, like, he had read the whole thing. He had been reading it for a while. He stops and asks me, is this a Christian school? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he, he asked me, like, how'd you hear about us? I was like, the internet? I don't know. Just listen yeah. to similar bands, you know, the record label, you know, listen to a lot of the top shelf bands and just friends on with people on Tumblr who are probably posting about it, about you guys. So that's kind of where I heard about them. And that, um, that night was like, that was like the, or at least that weekend was like the beginning of the, all of the Occupy oh, general shit. strike, like. So yes, because Marching. I was I was looking at their web, the big kids website doing research for this, and I found a post that says we're in Hickory tonight, and I was like, oh fuck, we're on the website. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, keep on marching, Oakland. We wish we were there with you. And I didn't realize that that was what it. Was. I couldn't remember what it was that happened that weekend that they were talking so about. So I want to say, I think. I don't remember how many more dates they had of this tour, but I do remember them saying something like, man, I, I feel like we should cancel the rest of the tour and just drive back to Oakland tonight <laughs> to, to go March. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> like <laughs> they definitely felt very strongly about it. Um, yeah. I don't know how much longer the marches and, and, and went on in Oakland. Um, yeah. And it turned into mainly like New York was like the last place where anything was really happening. Yeah, I mean, things went forever in New York, but um, but they uh, they they slept in the in the lobby. I uh, did anyone say anything like who were these adult men sleeping in the lobby of the? So I, I mean, they all looked like they could be college age, but no no one would have recognized. No, no, it would have been like who 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 are these yeah, guys? I, mean, <laughs> I went and emailed my RD and was like. Hey, some of my friends are sleeping in the lobby. There just wasn't enough room for them to stay in my dorm room. Like, hope that's mm-hmm. okay. He emailed me back and he was like, I did think it was odd that there were <laughs> a, <laughs> a bunch of guys that I didn't recognize sleeping in the lobby, but I figured they were friends with someone. They didn't look <laughs> threatening. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, they look like students. They were sleeping, you know. <laughs> so I got up the next morning. I took them to the cafeteria and, like, used my, like, little, my credit or whatever to buy them all breakfast. And I was yeah. just, like, seriously, like, load up. Just, like, eat as much as you want. Like, take some fruit. Take some stuff yeah. with you. <laughs> like, I feel really bad, that, you know, about the turnout. And they were really cool about it. And they were really nice. They were like, hey, man, don't worry about it. Like, some shows well, are poorly I, attended, you know? A yeah, lot of the shows and, were and like also, that on that tour. It gives me... It gives me the impression of they didn't have any other shows either. So I'm wondering if they would have even had that show that night or if it just would have been an off day. Yeah. They, um, and if I know they were excited to be close just, to Asheville, they were like, Oh yeah, we'll probably yeah. go spend most of the day in Asheville. And cause we love that city. Yeah. I would, I would love to get their opinion on the, on that whole situation. Now it's funny. I have Jason Ramirez email address still in my Gmail. Uh, because you know how Gmail has like had like Gchat or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still there anymore. His name would always be on the left hand side of my screen for years. Like I never erased it, so his name's still there. I bet. I wonder if he even still uses it though. Probably not. But yeah, I would love to get their their take on that, especially now that Big Ken's is done and it's been what? How many years? 2011. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So eight years. Yeah. Well. Anyway, fuck. Oh shit, we've been going a long time long <laughs> about this one. It's okay. We don't have much to say about the next one. Um, we already said we were five star men on this one. Right. So. Go listen to Hoop Dreams, <laughs> please. I hope the little clips I put in there. Go listen to all of the big hit stuff. It's all great. Yeah, I mean, it won't take you very long either. It's not some of the splits. They only had one song on. They have one song on a comp. The EP is a three song or. Yeah, so it won't take you long to get through their discography, and you'll be very happy, I hope. I hope, if this is your kind of music, if you're just into 80s LA hardcore, then I don't know that it'll be your thing, but... (laughs) Branch out. Okay, okay. Yeah, try something new. Yeah, okay. So, our EP for this episode is number 135, and it is... Oh, God. It is Empire, Empire, I Was a Lonely Estate. I tried to say it like the pronunciation. <laughs> and into it, over it, split. God, that was a mess. This is the most obnoxiously named EP. <laughs> hey, at least the EP doesn't have its own title. They just at yes, least called true. it Split. Yeah, Empire, Empire, I Was the Lonely State, and into it, over it, Split.
Empire. Empire is two exclamation points. And I was a lonely state in parentheses. And into it, over it, has a period after each it. <laughs> okay, this was released on Count Your Lucky Stars Records, who I mentioned earlier. Who were super important to the emo revival, I feel like. Um, they, they were on the softer side of emo, I guess. This was very much the um, the Kinsella worship, um, like American football. Yeah. Uh, not so much the Cap'n Jazz. Right, right. Um, but also like kind of equally mineral. Yeah. Because a lot of a lot of the bands like Can't Really Get Started played slower emo than like the grown up style, like faster paced stuff. So yeah, both these bands were. I hate talking about splits because I never know how to talk about them. Um, Empire were from Fenton, Michigan, and the primary musicians were Keith and Kathy Latinen. They had like a rotating cast of bass players and drummers, and I never found any liner notes that said who played what on the seven inch. And they were they were the more mineral, like early Jimmy World sort of emo. And into it, over it are from Chicago, and is the primary project of Evan Weiss. Uh, and they play the bigger, more poppy style, like more braid and promise ring, yeah, sounding emo. So, and I think at this time, into it, over it, were just was just Evan. I don't think he he had a live band, but I don't think he would had any other members on the records yet. And this was part of Into It Over It's 12 Towns series of splits that he did with uh, Koji and Castavet and Bob Nana and Swingset mm-hmm. and Everyone Everywhere, where each song was based on a city. So, okay. What did you think of this? So I used to own a copy of this 7-inch. Yeah. Um, at this time, I remember being into a lot of this stuff. I listened to a lot of Empire Empire. I saw them play um at edge frat in mm. Asheville, um mm. and i have a t-shirt still um <laughs> yeah. i had a couple of their seven inches you know i don't dislike them yeah but i get nothing out of it now that's how i felt i wasn't even really into them back then um i, uh, I listened to it and i was like it's fine like <laughs> i wasn't mad at it but i wasn't like really enjoying it it's also only one song from empire on their side and unfortunately i didn't get too into it over it songs yeah i didn't i didn't really like his voice it was very high sounding it sounded a lot like anthony green or like chris conley from saves the day yeah like just not fully nasally but it it wasn't not nasally um yeah it was fine the Into It Over It songs, I don't know, which side did you like better? Probably the Empire, Empire side, because I feel like more thought went into it. <laughs> yeah, because Into It Over It is the guy who did, oh, I'm going to write 52 songs. Yeah, I wrote one song a week, uh, and I didn't yeah. finish any of them. <laughs> That's how I felt about the first song on the Into It Over It side. I was like, hey, it's two verses and no oh, chorus. Oh, an idea. <laughs> yeah. I liked the second song better. Uh, it had the more piebald quality that I liked about some of those 52 songs. I don't think I ever listened to all 52 songs. I did. Oh. I was like, we're supposed to like this band, right? <sighs> yeah. People <laughs> talk the him up so much. <sighs> I always loved that 1994 song, 
uh, never into it, definitely over it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was me. That's me. How is Into It Over It still a band? Why? They've outlasted everyone else, right? Is there anyone else from this time period that was doing that kind of music that's still active today? Not really, no. I mean, he he kept Into It Over It going. He's been in so many other bands. Yeah. They're there, there. Yeah. Uh, the best one was Stay Ahead of the Weather. Right. Which released like one EP and one split with the wonder years um was he in is he in antarctica vespucci or is that uh am i thinking of something else he was in uh he's in or was in pet symmetry yeah um oh you know what he's not the only so okay around this time tiger's jaw was also doing this thing and they are still together some of the screamo acts like piano become the teeth uh is High Tide Hotel still a thing, or are they, they gone, too? I think they're gone. What, Dikembe still going? Yeah. Dikembe would have been around this time, maybe just a few, uh, maybe a year later or so. Uh, tiny moving parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like... Yeah, look, he's definitely the one who's playing this type of music that made it the longest and has made the biggest impact, I guess. criticize him for having a sound or even like writing a lot of very similar songs because every artist does that every songwriter does that i think most of the best songwriters like they have their their aesthetic principles you know and the the styles and the the chords and the kind of riffs that they fall back on sure um i want to say though his one idea isn't good <laughs> and he has well, he, uh, used it so much <laughs> <laughs> and i want to say he's successful at it primarily by pretty much pretense the whole 52 weeks thing the 12 towns thing it's it's a sufyan trick right that's what i came 
It's, it is a it's trick. It's saying this is important because I say so yeah. without showing any real work. <laughs> you know where most people, they wouldn't just, they may write 52 songs, but they also don't save all 52 songs. Right. It's not hard to write a song And release week. them. <laughs> it's hard to turn all and, of those songs into full songs. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a writing exercise more than it is a an album. You know, <laughs> like the bulk of everything and I, I've written, I wrote in like a day. I mean, like, yeah, it's it's not hard to get the ideas down. It's it's the execution. Yeah. But he was also recording them and releasing them every single week, too. And that was the issue, because I think they were like a MySpace thing. But then it doesn't given more time to polish things up. It still doesn't work. Proper, Proper was like boring. the one. Yeah, which sucks because he took half of cast of it and doesn't let them do their thing. I mean, they didn't write the songs, I guess. I guess he's the primary songwriter, but I don't know. I tried listening to Proper. I was like, this is boring. Yeah, Yeah. it's I just lose focus instantly. So, what do you? How do you feel about his voice? It's fine. Actually, I I think his voice may be his strongest uh his strongest skill because. Like I always, I said before, he has a a, a very Travis Shettle piebald quality to it. Yeah, I was gonna compare it times. a little bit to Bob Nana too. Yeah, that that's valid too. But it, it, he doesn't utilize it all the time. I don't know. It's strange. He has those fifty-two songs. They don't all sound like that. But I don't know. I don't know. There's two songs on here, and I don't remember what the first one sounds like. I don't remember what the second one Even sounds like. I mean, I know it was electric and had drums, but yeah, <laughs> I don't, I can't. There was no hook. There's nothing memorable about it. I remember him strumming yeah. a chord on like, <laughs> just like the verses were pretty much just chord two three four chord two three four. <laughs> <laughs> just like all right, but nothing interesting was going on in between those chords. Yeah, so. He had to crank out those those twelve singles in one year, or whatever, six singles in a year, or whatever he did it. So, yeah, it, this this EP it, it encapsulates so much about the shape of emo and the emo revival, the Midwest thing. Like this is so 2010. Like it's a split. Mm-hmm. It's part of a seven inch <laughs> series. <laughs> um the songs are nothing uh yeah and it, it, God, it there were so many seven inches <laughs> and it reminds me how there were so many bands that were doing these things and how none of them stuck and yeah. how it was all this weirdly self-congratulatory like oh we're doing real emo we're bringing it back yeah, and we're DIY because well, it was like we're taking it back from the malls, and I think that was <laughs> we. Oh, we were supposed to write good songs, <laughs> and it made me wonder what could be done with this. There are aspects of this sound that I like, mm-hmm. and it made me kind of like long for a more principled approach to songwriting and arranging and there's something about empire empire i do want to say like i said it felt like they made an effort um Mm -hmm. 
I think I would like the Empire Empire thing if, and not that I think his voice is bad, but if he were like a great singer and they had some harmonies, I think it could yeah. be really cool. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I don't know. It's yeah, the Empire song is probably a better song, but I also didn't really have fun listening to it. It was just a, it was kind of there. I don't know. It's that very specific style of emo where it's just kind of like real sparse guitar playing that's with very little effect on it. So the uh, the other direction I went with this um, while I was listening to the EP, the Empire Empire song specifically, was what if there were like a jam-o band? Like a Midwest emo jam band? Where it's like... <laughs> Because I was thinking, like, this guitar playing is, like, it sounds like Almond Brothers, like, clean <laughs> guitars. Uh, that band exists already. They're called American Football. <sighs> but they don't actually jam, do they? <laughs> I don't know. Where, like, they release music, but, like, the important thing is to see them live because they're going to just, like, jam on these songs <laughs> for, like, 20 minutes. You can't listen to you can't just get into fish by listening to their albums. You have to see them live to really get it. Yeah, but what would it be? It would just be I don't want to listen to that same like <laughs> just scale <laughs> or not even. You play a chord and you just play each string of the chord up and down. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is my least favorite of this sound the the intuit over at mid pace emo and the empire empire's slow emo i don't know i needed a little more energy i needed at least some hooks or maybe a little more of an edge to it like castavet was yeah they had the edge they didn't necessarily have sing-alongs but they were dynamic and had some high energy moments and i can actually recall oh, some man. of the melodies of castavet songs yeah, and then Braid's got the melodies, you know, <laughs> a lot of bands. I, um, I jammed with a drummer a, few, a while ago, the guy that didn't work out, <laughs> we talked about, um, we talked about Braid, and he said mm-hmm. something about Braid, he doesn't, he could never get into them because he didn't like how Bob Nana can't really sing, but tries to sing, <laughs> and he always wished <laughs> that they were... He always wished that Bob would just sing more like Chris does, where he's like, he doesn't really try. He's just like, I know I can't sing, but I'm still going for it. Like, not going for it and, like, I'm trying to sing really well, just, like, kind of yelling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't need, like, a super good singer. I just need someone who can hold a note and craft a melody. Like, I don't need, like... I don't need Aretha Franklin or <laughs> or like a metal ballad guy, you know. I just just hold me some notes. I don't know. Something I can sing along to. That's really my biggest requirement. Yeah. Yeah, something memorable. Yeah, something that sticks with me. Uh what would you rate it? Ugh. 2.5 just for making me listen to those into it over songs. <laughs> non songs. I was going to give it a 2.75. Yeah. Like, there wasn't anything technically wrong with it. It was just, like, hmm, the water of emo. I don't know. (laughs) No flavor. (laughs) But it's good for you. Mm. Uh, 
Some water is not. It's the seltzer water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the seltzer water. It's the it's the tap water. Uh, <laughs> there might be fluoride in this. Well, we're yeah. I'm sure that we have pissed off anyone who listened to this because they're I Empire wonder. Empire or Intuit Everett fans. Sorry, it's not my cup of tea. Yeah. Sorry. I'm assuming it's going to be the same person who got mad at our balance of composure uh, yeah. review. Um, they, wow. Actually, I don't know why I didn't think of that sooner. Balance of composure is the same thing as this. At least into it over it. It's like that vanilla emo that I just don't, <laughs> I don't care about. <laughs> All right. I'm not trying to be negative to be negative, but. Yeah. Well, did we. Next week. Well, uh, did we win? Hmm. I'd say overall we won because I had a great time listening to those hoop dream songs yeah. again. Uh, yeah, if you had to, if you had to say the win, loser, draw, draw. Yeah, I guess draw. I mean, if we're purely based on we have two albums and <laughs> one up, one down, so it's it's a draw. Well, next week. Well, ne- yeah, next week I don't know what we're gonna get. Uh, so it's nineteen. We got the year nineteen seventy six. And we got number three on the album charts, and it is Patti Smith and Radio Ethiopia. That'll be a good one. I have listened to that album before. And our EP is number two on that chart, and it is MX80 Sound. I hate their name. I hate their name. MX-8080, and then Sound. And the EP is called Big Hits-Hard Pop from the Hoosiers. So I need to figure out what the fuck this band is all about. <laughs> and why they're number two overall out of ten but still all right well continue to follow us on facebook twitter and instagram please go help take down beast productions um we're at punk pod and we have an email address is punk at gmail.com and our website is punk hmm that'll do it i guess Hans, I've just noticed something. These communists are all cowards. Have you looked at our caps recently? Our caps? The badges on our caps. Have you looked at them? What? No. A bit? They've got skulls on them. (laughs) Have you noticed that our caps have actually got little pictures of skulls on them? Uh, I don't... uh... Hands. Are we the baddies? <laughs>